0: My name is Aaron Bross and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, uh, apologies for the delays, um, I hadn't necessarily intended to, yeah, take this long of a break, but, uh, you know, life has been happening, and, uh, yeah, I mean the episodes will probably get a little more sporadic, uh, from now on, you know, just with a lot of the listeners you guys planting and yeah just summertime things are busy Um, but I did want to put this episode out which was only recorded just a few weeks ago because it was such a fantastic conversation with uh, a man named Mark Oxer and so Mark actually reached out to me and uh, as he's good friends with uh, Carrie Dunsmore, who of course, um, you know, I released that episode with her back in March, Um, Carrie's the athletic therapist and had that uh, program going before the season to get all you guys ready and just so many good tips. And yeah, she's just amazing for any problems that planters have. And so Mark had reached out to me, you know, having known Carrie for a long time and worked with her and was just interested in coming on. And Mark, of course, planted for a number of years himself you know we talk a bit about that in the conversation but what's really interesting I found and I learned throughout the conversation was he spent essentially his entire career partner planting and so for him you know planting was so much of a collective experience and a shared experience which isn't often the case and is certainly not my own personal experience having spent basically my entire planting career planting solo um And liking it that way and so as much as we all sort of go through similar things on the block we're generally doing so alone in our piece Um, whereas this is not the case at all for Mark and you know of course with Mark's background that we talk about which is heavy into you know kind of like sports psychology and just yeah more the mind aspect of things um, we get into quite a lengthy discussion just about the psychology of tree planting and the psychology of these bonds that we form. Um, and yeah, it was just such a fantastic and enriching conversation. I'm really stoked to share it with all of you and yeah, to just give some kind of different perspectives. And it just really made me realize how different people's experiences can be planting. Um, because like I said, I, I've never met someone or talked to someone who spent you know, many, many years, um, yeah, always partner planting and just like how efficient that could be. And even sort of this collective effort involved, um, you know, as we talk about, you guys will understand that a bit more as you listen to the conversation, but yeah, it was just like really rad. So I hope you all enjoy this episode and, um, yeah i'm trying to decide like what intervals i'll do the episodes at but um it'll probably be you know i'll probably do maybe one or two a month i'm thinking at this point but um you know just stay tuned if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast on whatever app you listen to it on um please do so as of course i am not on facebook anymore um the podcast page may still be up there because it takes 30 days to like actually officially delete your social media accounts. So, um, if that's still up, that is why, but I'm actually not on there. And of course, if you are interested in coming on the podcast, please reach out to me, um, via email would be best. Um, or if you know me personally, reach out on my phone number. Um, I'm also also available there. Just shoot me a text. So yeah, I hope to hear from you or if you know of someone that, you know, you think would be good to come on the show. um, Yeah, I'm going to sort of navigate now uh, to the best that I can without social media, you know, continuing to advance this show and provide you guys with just really incredible conversations from like-minded people. So I hope you all enjoy this episode and definitely share it around with people in your crew, in your camp, um, your company, um, because yeah, it's a really great one. Enjoy. All right, Mark, we are recording. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me
0: yeah no thanks for uh reaching out um so yeah of course i only know like just the tiniest bit about you basically what you've just shared with me so not just for myself but for our listeners like tell everybody a little bit about who you are
1: yeah so mark oxer currently living in alberta i grew up in manitoba and my tree planting career started in ontario uh, and then has moved all the way from ontario to the west coast and uh, didn't quite get to plant up into some of the northern areas like the Yukon and Northwest Territories, but we did take days off into those areas. So that was pretty sweet. Um, yeah. And so I was uh, an avid podcaster. And so I uh, was looking for tree planting podcasts. And uh, I think uh, Carrie actually even made a post. Um, and so I was Carrie, somebody that I planted with. Oh, man several years ago now uh, and I just wanted to check it out and so yeah just really excited to be able to connect with other planters current and maybe from the past and maybe people interested in it in the future as well.
0: Cool right on um, and then yeah you know you were telling me a little bit about just what you've done in terms of, of schooling and how it even kind of relates to planting a little bit so um, you know of course you being located in Manitoba um, how did you get into tree planting originally?
1: So so I started tree planting, I believe my first year planting was 98, 1998 was my first year planting. Uh, So I graduated high school in 96, so people can probably figure out how old I am by now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And a couple of years after, uh, a buddy of mine and I were looking for some summer work to make a little bit more than what we were just doing with like sort of regular in-city the jobs, getting paid kind of minimum wage stuff. We actually saw an ad in the newspaper for Dorsey Contracting. Was the company that I actually spent several years planting with in Ontario, and uh, we just literally just applied to the ad in the newspaper. Uh, we knew nothing about, like literally nothing about it when we applied. we were just like, oh, we can make lots of money. That's what the ad says, so we'll try this out. And uh, we both got the job, and and then we got like uh, an equipment list. Uh, emailed out to us like, here's your equipment list of all the stuff you need to go and buy and bring with us. And so we went out and got those things and showed up with a whole bunch of stuff that was pretty much useless. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's how tree planting started. It was one of those things where at the end of my first season, and I probably would have made more money if I had just stayed home and made the minimum wage job, but. <laughs> I had a little, I think I might actually still have my original notebook. I don't know how many people go out there and do this, but I actually wrote down all of my numbers at the end of every day in a notebook and then tracked my like paper tree for that stuff. And then was just calculating throughout the season, how much I was making. And so I think I actually still have my original notebook somewhere. in um, one of like a, a storage bin or something I have, I remember keeping that one specifically, Um, and I but I remember the nights like laying there being like I made less money than if I had stayed at home.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I uh I do that as well. And honestly, for all listeners, like I encourage everyone to do that, not just for nostalgic sake or whatever, calculating your money, but also just for yeah, verifying pay stubs and stuff. But I have like a designated notebook and it's got all my all my numbers from all my years in it. So
1: nice, that's awesome. This was. I don't, it's gotten, the industry's gotten a lot better uh, for stuff like this now. But I knew when I was involved at the beginning, there was still a lot of like, are we even gonna get paid at the end of the contract? Cause we were getting a lump sum at the end of the contract is how we got paid out. And there's poor stories of people never getting paid at all. And I was just like, oh man, I worked all summer at this ridiculous job. And am I even gonna get paid at the end of it? So yeah, definitely keep track. <laughs>
0: yeah so do you remember like what did it say in the newspaper ad because yeah that was definitely the 90s sort of how or like word of mouth or something is most of the stories I've heard of how people uh,
1: honestly I honestly don't remember the ad I do remember it wasn't even a very big advertisement my buddy was the one who found it uh he sent it to me and he's like hey what's you interested in applying for this I'm like I guess we'll try it out um and so yeah like I said we just applied for it I don't remember really anything about it at all um other than just a little black and white ad in like the sort of classified section of a newspaper in in like I think it was in the Winnipeg Free Press or Winnipeg Sun so that's how tree planning started (laughs) yeah so
0: yeah you literally knew nothing about it then so what was the experience like for you in terms of whatever visions you had in your head and the reality of uh what you got yourself into
1: the first day, I, I will never forget this day for the rest of my life, unless maybe I get some kind of dementia as I get older. Maybe I get some kind of PTSD and intentionally forget about it. I don't know. But I remember we were driving up to our very first day. We were this is a, They still use school buses back then to get everybody around. So oh, yeah, they still warm. use those in Ontario. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a big school bus, big gray school bus. And everybody's on the bus. And then so we're driving down this road and you hear the, the so owner of the companies at the front of the bus and he's calling out names because people, he we always planted in pairs. And so he's calling out names. He's like, you and you out of the bus. This is your piece on the right. And I look out the window and I'm like, I wonder where they're walking to because I don't like it just like it's just land like it's like for like cut land there I don't know what's going on here and they're like you need to get out here and we're just driving on the road and they're like okay all the rookies get out here you're planting here for the day and I'm looking at them like I don't know what they're looking at (laughs) like (laughs) this is like there's still trees and logs and stumps and like everything else here like where are we going like I had this like plowed farmer's field perspective in my mind and I was like I don't know what the heck we're doing out here and then we got onto the cut block and they're like okay This is the land that we're working today. And I was like, you must be kidding me. (laughs) Oh, man. I had no idea. Reality was so far away from what I had in my mind. It wasn't even like, I mean, I had like the leather work gloves on. That was the gloves that I was going to try to plant a tree with. Oh, yeah. yeah."
0: (laughs) Did you realize it was like for logging then, even? or? No, I
1: had no no idea. I was so completely green. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, so i mean years later i'm sort of thankful for that experience because i did a lot of recruiting for companies as well later on and so i remembered that experience that i had and i would just tell people like here's what it is and i actually made a made a youtube video or not a well, not at the time it wasn't a youtube video i made a dvd and I would yeah, show it to whatever people. Whatever it was back <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> and I would show it to people, and I'd be like, "This is my experience. Like I videoed uh, like an entire season, and just sort of carried a camera with me for everything that I possibly could during one of my seasons. Oh, wow. And then made it into a video. And then I would show this, and be like, "This is what tree planting actually is, not maybe what you think it might be. Like what I had these like crazy to plowed farmer's field kind of dreams. That's not what it is. So." uh yeah so I mean it ended up playing out to the benefit uh I don't know this might be another question too I don't know how like we actually had to learn how to do the back cut I don't I don't know if anybody does that at all anymore. yeah
0: well c cut used to be a big thing uh like I remember that even before I started and then like right at the beginning of my career it was like yeah especially in Ontario like I didn't I started in BC but I just remember even like with my mom it was like everyone was like sea cutting and doing like it was very it's like this is the way you're supposed to do it kind of situation
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so you did the sea cut put the tree in the you pull your shovel out do a back cut into sort of where the break was on the soil and then have uh, then do the kick shot and it's just like I couldn't, I was getting home at the end of the day and I was like, I planted 300 trees today. And I was so happy because that number to me seems so big, 300. I was like, if I had 300 of anything in one day, I'd mean That's incredible. And you get back on the bus and like, you hear the experienced planters being like 2,700 and you're like 3,000. You're like, how is somebody going like exponentially that much faster than I am? I don't even understand. Cause I was working and this, I was a college athlete. Like I was playing college, playing college soccer at the time. So I was like in good shape, good cardio. And I was like, this dude over here, I saw him drink nine beers yesterday. And I don't even know how he got on the bus this morning. And he completely just hosed me. Like, I don't even understand what happened.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, So uh, yeah, it was so, it was such my, understanding of what tree planting was and um I was had a rude awakening
0: (laughs) and how was it too like because I mean you talk about that first day on the block but of course you would have had to show up to camp first and so how like I mean you obviously knew that you were going to be camping with like the gear list but you know had you spent a lot of time I mean you're from Manitoba so I'm kind of assuming you did um you know getting outside and camping and stuff like that so was that like a rude awakening for you or, or how was, cause I mean, I know what camp conditions were like back then as well. Yeah. Um, there was a lot less health and safety regulations.
1: <laughs> yes, there was some of that. I'm actually, some of the times I was actually thankful for that. Like I absolutely hated planning with a hard hat on when they came with that regulation of we're having to wear a hard hat. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like we just go to a baseball cap or back to the way it was anyways. Uh, some of that stuff, but yeah. So we actually brought out a pop-up, like a trailer tent so we towed, a, oh, nice. towed it behind our car um and it worked out really well for us uh so yeah I had done some camping and stuff with my family growing up and was okay with being in sort of outdoor camp conditions but like yeah setting up a camp like setting up the mess tent and like setting up the the shitters and like digging the holes for everything and like all of that stuff was just like completely new like just like I had no idea again I don't know what my expectations were like that it was going to be like a pre-set up camp kind of thing or and that we were just the intense sort of around a main area like I was just I was so completely not expected of what reality was
0: (laughs) yeah so then how did you know you talk about at the end of the season that you didn't really make that much money so like how did how did the season progress for you? How did things go? And then what was the decision to continue doing it?
1: So, yeah, I, uh, I went after, so it was just a two month season. It was just May, June. Yeah. Uh, I remember the company owner, like towards the end of June, the company, the contract was running longer than it was supposed to be. And I remember the company owner, like standing on a table in the mess tent being like, you all better like nobody's quitting early, nobody's leaving early. Uh, like you're all staying here till this is all done. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? I'd already made arrangements with them before the season had started. Say like I have to be out of here by this date because I have, I do have another job that I'm doing in the summer because it was only a May May June contract, and so I had lined up other work for the summer. And I said I have to be this is my drop dead date that I have to leave by. So. Um, I actually had family come and pick me up out of the bush camp and drive me back. And I started working, um, like a couple of days later, back in, back in, uh, the city at a, yeah. at a job. And so, uh, I didn't stay till right till the very last day of that contract. Um, and so, because I'd already made prearrangements and everything was good. Like I got paid and there was no issues with that kind of stuff and whatever else I ended, like I said, I ended up staying and planning for that company for a few years, but the, um, I don't know what the attraction was to go back really like it was such a crazy experience and maybe that was the experience of what go- was the, the, just the craziness of it um but my same my buddy and I did go end up going back um and I mean I do remember towards the beginning of my second season I was like why am I doing this like I'm just going home like there's that I think if I'd quit at that point, I probably would have stayed quit and wouldn't have ever gone tree planting again. Yeah. Um, but I did make it through that, those several days of mentally just being like, I hate this. Why am I here? Like I could just be back at home and, uh, whatever else, but st- st- stuck with it. And yeah. And, uh, it, I made a little bit more money that season still was like, I still was arguably like, um, how do I, want, I don't know how I'm trying to think of how I can word this. Uh, <laughs> I had good quality but I didn't have any speed so like that's my my trees got checked all the time because they were really like oh yeah like you can go check Mark's land because they knew my oh quality yeah was good.
0: passing all the blocks yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I helped with the passing but I definitely wasn't helping with any production <laughs> um so it wasn't until my third year where I actually really started properly making money um tree planting yeah yeah so
0: And so then, yeah, so how many years did you spend in the industry then? And what made you, you know, eventually, obviously, you branched out and came west and and all of that.
1: Yeah, so like I said, I started in 98. Uh, There was one season that I took off um, towards around my second third year there was a gap in there at one point I don't remember if it was between year one and two or between year two and three I think it might have been between year two and three that I uh, there was a a one-year gap and then I came back for a bunch of seasons in a row uh, like probably seven seasons in a row or something like that I came back for consecutively Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: um, from there there was a a couple years gap again and then I planted oh I think two more seasons and then I haven't planted again since although I did get asked to plant two years ago there was a contract um near Winnipeg and I was living in Winnipeg at the time and said hey you can just come and plant whenever you want if you want to come and plant like at the end of your work day like if you want to just come out and bang out two hours worth of work at the end of a regular work day or if you want to come out on the weekend or whatever you want to do. We just we just need to get some numbers in, and you can come and just make some money. We'll pay you decent money per tree, and just come and help us get a little the production a little bit higher. So, unfortunately, I didn't take it because I had a a bad knee injury at the time, and so Mm. um, I didn't go out and take that up. But so it's been I think there's in total I'd have to go back and double check exactly, but it's been about twelve or thirteen seasons that I planted before.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool.
1: So, yeah, and so planted from, started in Kenora, Ontario, and then moved out towards, uh, Thunder Bay. Uh, so I planted a couple seasons, like I said, it was, uh, a company based out of Kenora. And then we moved to a company in, uh, Thunder that was based in Thunder Bay area. Uh, they did a five and two, w- uh, it was kind of interesting. So they worked Monday to Friday and then had Saturday, Sunday off always. That was just the schedule. So that was, uh, unique experience going from like the 4 and 1s or 5 and 2s or 4 and 1s 4 and 1s or 4 and 2s or whatever we did um with the other company based out of uh based out of Kenora. so that was interesting to work like a Monday to Friday tree planting job that was kind of I had not really experienced that either before
0: yeah yeah
1: and then from there um there was opportunity to uh take up uh summer contracts so working i stayed working the spring contracts in ontario and then picked up summer contracts in um in alberta vc area um prince george and sort of north of there and just really enjoyed working for those companies and then just sort of started shifting more towards working on the west coast uh, and less in the less in ontario
0: yeah i'm curious even back then you know in like the early 2000s did you did you notice much of a difference between uh, Ontario and kind of moving towards the Western provinces um, just in the way things were run? Uh, Yeah. I mean, nowadays there's, there's a quite, there has been quite a big difference. I think it's starting to catch up in Ontario and and the Eastern provinces of just some of the standards and just the way things are done. But, um, but yeah, I don't know too much about, you know, 20 years ago or so. And if it it looked a whole lot different.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The land prep is obviously different, right? Like, so in BC, you're getting a lot less land prep. Like, you're not getting the the skitters with like rows and rows of trenches uh, for like humongous blocks. Like, we would have almost we would have years where our entire contract was trenched land yeah. um, in Ontario, and that just that doesn't happen in BC, right? Like, you're you're not getting that same that site prep that you're getting in Ontario. And it would vary. Like we had everything from like skitters to barrel and chains. I don't even know if some people know what barrel and chain site prep is it's the worst type of site prep ever. They literally have two big, heavy barrels that are attached with chains to like a tractor and it just drives along and drags these barrels behind it. And the the lip of the barrels, what makes the sort of site prep trench, but because they're, they're barrels on a chain, they don't stay in a straight line. They're they bounce off of rocks and stumps and so there's no like it was just it was crazy because they're like you got to plant the trenches and we're like yeah but and then you also got to stay six feet apart and you're like yeah but like this trench obviously the barrel hit a rock right here and bounced eight feet over and now there's no trench for like 50 meters because it's in the other trench that's over six or eight feet over and it's like this i don't know it's just a gong show yeah. <laughs> so the site prep uh, i hated barrel and chain i hated planting barrel and chain regular trenching wasn't so bad um but that was a big one for sure was the site prep and then uh the pay the pay was so drastically different it was unbelievable mm. to me i couldn't believe like when i got to like bc in alberta i was like what you guys are getting 10 cents a tree out here and then like what 11 cents 12 cents 13 14 i got 25 cents a tree one day when i was planting in alberta was the most that I ever got paid. I know I've heard stories, of people getting more, but the most I ever got paid was 25 cents a tree, um, and I was just like, I was getting. We were getting seven cents a tree, and then we had production bonuses. So if you got to 2100, you'd get a half cent bonus, mm. and if you got to 2700, you'd get uh, another half cent bonus. So, uh, is the way it worked. So and it would be on all your trees. So. No, let me correct that. Sorry. It was 1500 and 2700 is what it was. So if you, if you planted, um, if you planted 1500 trees, you would get seven and a half cents. If you planted 2700 trees, you would, I think it was either eight and a half or nine cents you would get, and you'd get it on all the trees, not just the above the, above the previous one. Considerable incentive. Yeah. So what we, what people were doing though, was gaming the system though. Right. So like what you do is you'd like. I'd plant like I'd plant 1800 trees, but then what I would do is I'd claim 1500 and start the next day and 300 in the positive and then give my 2700 the day after. And so mm. people were constantly gaming the system that way to try to try to see if they could get themselves more money because those 300 trees, essentially I was getting paid a half a cent to a cent more for those 300 trees instead of if I had to claim them the day before. Right. Mm. So, people were always gaming system. Or if people planted like 1,300 trees, they'd be like, claim 1,500 and start in the whole 200 the next day because they're like, well, I'm not going to just have planted all these trees for seven cents when I could get seven and a half cents for them if I claim oh, 200 yeah. more. So, the whole like numbers, but numbers for forming must have been a complete disaster because people were claiming all kinds of weird numbers all over the place. Um, and it was always even number, like, it was always, like, 1,500. <laughs> Nobody was like, oh, uh, yeah, I got 1,440 today. No. <laughs> yeah, that that's never interesting. Happened. I've yeah. never
0: heard, I mean, I've heard of these types of bonuses before, um, but I've never thought about people playing the system like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so, to get to the west side, and everything is just, like, you can plant one tree, you can plant 10,000 trees and you get 10 cents. And I was like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> it's way more money. And there's no, I don't have to like, like, yeah, it was good. So, um, I just couldn't believe it. Um, the difference that way was, was huge, was incredibly huge. So. Yeah. Yeah. the, um, the one thing I did notice though, is the speed at which planters worked was significantly different. Um, and I don't know if other people have talked about this too much, but you had to go really fast in Ontario to make money because the tree prices were so low. So you really had to just give her to make money. Um, Whereas uh, yeah. And uh, in some spots, yes, the land was prepped. We had a lot more, like I said, the land preparation that happened in Ontario, but I think that just because the tree pricing was so low that for anybody to really make it like as lucrative as they wanted it to be, you just, you just had to just absolutely give her. And so what I found was that the people who had learned to plant in Ontario and then moved to the West Coast, initially there was a little bit of like reading land and understanding like area planting and uh, like uh, working with land that was less site prepped. But once they figured that out, they quickly rocketed up to the, some of the fastest planters in camp because they just had to, that was in their. that was just the way they had to work coming from Ontario, um, whereas it seemed like there was a little bit more of, like, a, a slower pace chilled out, sort of, because we're getting paid more per tree, and people worked a little bit slower, I found, and that's not putting a slight on anybody, it just, that was something that I just found interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm curious, too, you know, with your decision to, yeah, obviously, you kept going back and doing a bunch of years, um, you know, with little gaps here and there, but, uh, you know, because you have mentioned to me before, of course, that you've uh, been to school, and you've got um you know a master's in strength conditioning and so and you've obviously been a longtime athlete and so like how did that play into or evolve with like your planting career and and your choices of you know to keep going back and versus whatever you're doing in the offseason
1: yeah it's uh I mean there's definitely pros and cons so like I said having a good cardio base I think was helpful uh being a soccer player and then having a cardio base I think was helpful uh I mean I was never very big, um, as an athlete or as a, I mean, now I'm weighing just over 200 pounds now, but I've spent the last, I don't know, whatever it is, six years of my life specifically working at like powerlifting to be stronger and a little bit bigger. But when I was, when I was tree planting, I was playing soccer and like I said, it was cardio and I was coming home at the end of a tree planting season weighing like 150 pounds. And I was like, just a complete stick. Right. And uh, so from that perspective, it wasn't really helpful from, uh, like an athletic perspective. Like I wasn't getting, I was obviously losing strength, muscle mass while I was out there, just based on the sheer caloric expenditure that was happening and not being able to match it with caloric intake. Right. Um, was just crazy a buddy of mine so a guy that I planted several years with we planted in multiple different companies together we were planting partners side by side we we stayed in the same tent for years like he's out he's he was my best man at my wedding like um we spent a lot of years six feet apart from each other um and uh he had he did his master's degree in biomechanics um and so him and I had a lot of really good conversations on the block actually uh just talking like So like, I wonder if they were to do like an analysis of our caloric expenditure today and our caloric intake, how that would correlate. And so we would have these like sort of like scientific, I guess, conversations about what was happening with the tree planter's body and our ability to like, keep going and that kind of stuff. Cause it's really fascinating when you hear stories about like, um, there's a gentleman who who ran 50, let me think about this. I think he ran 50 marathons in 50 days. Um, and you're like, that's crazy. But then when you think about what a tree planter does, you're like, I realize it's not a marathon. But like that same idea of getting up every day, and just the pure like, it doesn't matter if it's raining. Doesn't matter if it's like plus forty degrees. Doesn't matter if you got rocks in your shoes. Like doesn't matter. Like you just have to keep going every single day. And it is there is obviously a cardiovascular component to it, but there is like a mental fatigue aspect of it as well, right? And I think that was a that was helpful. Um, if coming from it, from an athletic perspective and having a little bit of that athletic drive to be like, okay, let's keep going. Okay. Let's keep going. Now what I've done in later on in life is I've probably actually flipped that around and I get into situations where I've participated in sports like CrossFit and and that kind of stuff. And I flip it around and I'm like, like, no man, like, let's go. There's you there. What are you stopping? And like, what are you doing? Like, let's go. And so I I can always sort of draw back onto my tree planting and go, There's probably nothing I'm going to face in my life, be living in like a living most of my life in Canada or like Western European countries, nothing that I'm going to face in my life that's mentally going to test me like tree planting did. Right. And so I can always sort of dig into this dark place a little bit of tree planting and go, no, let's go. Come on. And you got more in you. You've got more in you. You've got more in you. And I can sort of take my like and so I have this sort of mental resolve built up that I actually think was sort of both a product of tree planting but also has like it this sort of athleticism tied into it but then it's also paid forward into future athletic training or endeavors that I've been a part of as well where I might have just mentally wanted to quit but it's just like that that mental quit switch is turned off and I think that's largely in part to do with um, my experience tree planting and all the crazy crap that happens out in the bush (laughs) yeah yeah
0: no this sort of segues perfectly into my next question I mean it's kind of like you've already started to answer it a little bit of of how has tree planting changed or impacted your life so of course you talk about this mental aspect is there is there other ways that it really changed the game for you um based on you know maybe the trajectory you thought you were going on and where where you ended up
1: going um yeah absolutely like I said so the like um two of the guys that I've mentioned so the guy who I signed up to do the job with out of the newspaper ad uh him and I have been friends since uh 1996 so I um, we still, we planned it together in 1998 for the first time 1998 is also the first time that I met um uh, my buddy who ended up being my best man at my wedding and so like he uh, we we were just texting about some strength conditioning stuff this morning um and so uh, I wouldn't have had the friendship that I've had with him and then many other people that I've met Uh, throughout the years I just wouldn't have had that same friendship with them and I think I mean there's um I've done some uh, I'm a member with the Canadian Sports Psychology Association as well so I understand a little bit about psychology and there's a bond that happens with people when you go through adversity together there's a psychological bond that's formed between people and so when you have these like just absolutely ridiculous stories that people in like civilian life would never understand really and it's correlated to military personnel. Like I've worked with military personnel and police as well. My wife uh, works in emergency services. She's a nurse on a helicopter. Um, and so I know that those population groups of people deal with some really messed up stuff that general society and like civilian people wouldn't necessarily be able to process properly. Um, but there's a bond that happens within that, within that team structure. And that same thing happens with tree planting. Like I have a buddy who i maybe I don't, only talk to him like a couple of times a year, but we feel like we have an incredibly solid friendship and it has to do with the fact that like we, we were walking through waist deep water for two weeks straight to get to our block. And there was nothing that the company was going to do or could really do to help us. So just every day it was like, well, I have to walk in literally through a kilometer of waist deep water to get to my block for two weeks straight. And that we have that shared story. And we're, and I think that helps solidify our friendship. Right. So, um, yeah. And so you just have some of that kind of stuff. But I mean, like I said, aside from the mental resolve aspect of it, there's a lot of um, personal skills, probably like um, like making sure that you're doing your own laundry and like nobody's taking care of you, right? Like if you don't wash stuff, you don't wash yourself. If you don't like eat properly, if you don't like pack a lunch, like nothing's getting done unless you do it. Right. So there's just a lot of like uh, you have to really learn about yourself as well that way Uh, interacting with different people like you meet a lot of different people while in camp and just being able to interact and communicate with a lot of different people uh, I think was a really good skill to learn and then it progressed uh, as being able to take on some leadership roles with recruiting new planters and and being a foreman and uh, getting to do stuff that I might not have otherwise get to done like the first time I ever flew in helicopter was tree planting right so just getting to do stuff that you might not have got to done in other places in life. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's been a lot of, a lot of things. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in educational settings like going to school and to be able to basically have completed multiple degrees and have no debt is something that I attribute to tree planting as well, because I wouldn't have been able to do that without, without tree planting. Right. So, um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of things that have have come from my life that, um, I wouldn't have otherwise so
0: yeah okay so you mentioned of course I mean I know you've got a master's so you've spent some time in school um what else were you doing in the off seasons um because of course you know there can be a perhaps fairly toxic loop um of 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 what tree planters do in the off season um so yeah what were what what were you up to for all of those years
1: So I spent most of my time, uh, so depending on when the contract ended, so it was a spring contract or a summer contract, depending on when those contracts ended, um, I would go and spend the rest of my summer, whatever was left of it. Sometimes it was six weeks, sometimes it was four weeks or two weeks or whatever, whatever it happened to be. I'd go and spend the rest of my summer working at a a camp in Manitoba. Uh, so it was a, a Christian summer camp and I'd go and spend most of my time working, um at that camp uh, for the rest of the summer and then I go back to school uh in the off season and that was my life cycle for a lot of years like I went to I did I did 3 I did 3 years of college uh Bible college uh, and then was paying for it while tree planting and then I did 4 years of university I was paying for that while tree planting and then um, When I went back to do further education again I used tree planting as a means to be able to pay for that kind of stuff so it was mostly the same cycle for me of tree planting. uh, Some volunteer hours working at a summer camp and then the rest of my year as a university student and then just repeating that cycle uh, for several years over.
0: Yeah, Yeah, right on. Um, So I just want to circle back to uh, what you were talking about before, because, of course, you said that, you know, you've got a strong background in in psychology and this bond that you're talking about. So I'm curious, just from even what I know or have studied in my own personal endeavors, like, is that what you would consider in terms of like, um, you know, legit uh, psychology terms? Um, Would that be considered trauma bonding? Or because I know that's got it can have a bit of a bad rap, perhaps of, you know, mm-hmm. even just things we we replay in our own relationship dynamics, just as like regular humans without tree planting involved. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious, have a bit more of a discussion around that and, and what you sort of classify it as. And because, I mean, I can see it a bit as a form of, of trauma bonding. And yeah, um, yeah, even just like personally with the types of relationships I've had throughout my life, especially romantic ones. And I look at you know, some of the issues that I run into personally of, of unhealthy patterns that I repeat has sometimes perhaps been perpetuated by certain settings. Um, yeah. You know, one of them being tree planting, there being other ones too, of just this like, sort of faster moving, because you get to know someone to such depth so quickly and, and things yeah. like that. So yeah, what are your yeah. thoughts
1: on that? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, I uh, I mean, I'm not that that aspect of psychology is not my, my specific wheelhouse, although I will say um, an encounter that I had as a coach, so I went on to be a collegiate coach, and my first ever collegiate coaching job, uh, I was coming into a position where the coach had died on the field uh, previous to me, so he was a younger guy, uh, he was excited to get his job, he packed up and moved and he drove across the country to take this coaching job and he slept in his car on the way Unfortunately, he got a blood clot in his leg and he passed away uh on the on the during a practice like he literally just passed away during a practice with the session um and so I came into that environment so that's where my first sort of real understanding and so I went I was went on to do a master's degree um So I've done, ai mean, yeah, like I said, I spent way too much time in academia, probably, but uh, I did a, started a master's degree in coaching before transitioning into strength conditioning. And so for that, we had to write on a case study. And so I chose to do that, um, that trauma that I incurred as a coach uh, for a problem-based learning environment. And so the majority of my understanding for for relation to trauma sort of events and how it bonds people together comes from my understanding with how it functions in a team setting and arguably tree planting would be that team setting. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and there is a lot of, um, like you said, like you articulated it really well, saying that there was some of that, like how the processes get expedited really quickly, right? Like you get to know somebody really well because you're experiencing emotional Emotional trauma, emotional pain, um, and then maybe the other person is, and you guys have this shared bonding where you can communicate about it, and um, and then sort of other things can maybe get sped up from uh, from that as well. Whether that be romantic relationships, or it could be other it could be other behavioral traits to get ex, uh, sort of ex, excuse me accelerated from that, right? It could be positive ones where people like I've seen people who have um, there was an athlete that I was working with um years ago now uh, she was a college athlete that I was working with who uh, went and uh, actually I, I, there's very few people who I would say this about uh, having spent a lot of years in the fitness world but she actually turned to exercise and it became an unhealthy addiction for her actually mm. um as a result of a trauma situation that she was processing through mm. right and so people can have that where they can maybe reach to exercise or they can maybe reach to Whether it be sex, gambling, alcohol, drugs, relationships, whatever it would be, people can reach to other potential things that are, but, and those things, those behavioral patterns are generally sort of um, accentuated or, um, yeah, so it plays out that, can play out that way for people as well. And so maybe we see some of that in the tree planting culture as well. But, um, yeah, I think that that concept, it'd be interesting to do uh, maybe a little bit more in depth research for it to understand the I, I'm sure that there has been if you were to look at it the biggest piece of correlation in literature would probably be with regards to military personnel and like a shared trauma experience through military personnel um, but I'm assuming it would be r- relatable to what happens to people when they're out tree planting as well right so uh, I mean the trauma could be different but because everybody responds to that trauma differently um, somebody seeing their Their partner die in a in a military thing might trigger their mindset the same way as somebody who has to like like their tent blew over and they have to walk in and bug bites everywhere and like the uh, just like completely breakdown of the person might they might be triggered completely differently but have the same sort of um large impacts on their lives right so hmm yeah. yeah
0: I'm curious too because you you talk about the team side of it and I definitely can see that just like in a camp or in a crew or whatever and of course you know you talk about too that you started off um, planting with partner planting but you know there's this interesting parallel right where it's like yes we're all doing the same thing but a lot of the times you're doing it alone too so there's also yeah. this side of you know what you talk about with with the military's aspect of things or example of yeah if there's like an explosion or something and everyone's in it it's like you're in that exact same thing together whereas with tree planting you know yeah maybe you're just having a horrible day on the block but technically you're like planting alone in your piece maybe then maybe someone else is also having you know it's like a parallel universe they're also having a horrible day in their piece but it's like you know similar but different um yeah so like what are your thoughts on that because you you very much talk about or seed planting, yeah, as this team. Um, but even in your own personal experience, like I don't know if you ever spent much time planting alone, or, or how. Like, what are your thoughts on on that
1: as well? Uh, I've honestly, it might sound strange to some people listening, but I've actually spent very few hours tree planting by myself. Um, huh. Part of that is because it's just my personality I don't like to be by myself like even like now when my wife is uh she's on tour right now she's gone for several days uh doing missions uh on the helicopter and so I'm home by myself and I hate it I absolutely hate it I have no reason to like we're staying we've got a nice place and we're totally safe and everything's fine but I cannot stand it uh and I think so that's part of it is that I just really don't like being by myself um the other thing is is that uh, like I said, I planted really on, in all the years that I planted, I really only had probably three different planting partners uh, over the years. And we always begged each other out every single day, every single bag, we begged each other out. Um, and we did that because we really thought that, that maybe ties into the team. Maybe that ti ties into the cult, like culture mentality that we have or a sport mentality that we had, that it was just like, we are better off if we stay together um and so we always begged each other out so it was like my buddy comes up and he's like oh man he's like i'm done and i'm like oh, i got 60 trees left and he'd be like give me 30 and i'd give him a bundle and a half and he'd go and then we beg out because for us it just made more sense for us to be both back at the cash together both starting both starting our lines together and so we uh we uh at one company so it was a company we planted with based out of Th- thunder bay we actually shared the title of uh highballer because we had the exact same number at the end of the season because we bagged each other out for every single bag
0: Huh. Interesting. Um,
1: and I think that's pretty unique like I don't think that happens very often
0: <laughs> yeah no like I, I mean I know people who you know in years past were very adamant about partner planting and would have yeah like a planting partner always but Yeah. Even in my own experience, it's very much been, and maybe it's, I don't know, you know, you talk about playing soccer, um, fairly seriously, and maybe it even comes a bit from people's upbringings, um, because I was a competitive figure skier, so that's a solo sport. And so I've always gone more of the solo route. I like being by myself actually. And, and yeah, the competitive nature too, of like, you know, me versus someone else it's not it's not the team thing so yeah. Um, well, yeah
1: so keep going yeah no oh, I was just yeah. gonna say
0: yeah it's you know I definitely see more of that um, and yeah. I haven't seen as much of what you talk about but I have have heard of it here and there but it but I think it you know partially maybe because of the money aspect too that it tends to be you know every man for himself kind of situation
1: yeah um, yeah but and so that's where I would challenge people because I truly think that I truly think if that is, so if my planning partner and I went every man for himself, that I don't know if we'd have made more money at the mm. end of the season. Um, I think that we were actually probably more productive by by tag teaming it because there's times where I begged out ahead of him. There's times where he begged out ahead of me. Um, there's an element of like uh, only one person is really following trees because like, if you're that close to each other, you're always just like, I mean, you're always following trees, right? The number one rule through planting always follow trees. Right. So, but you're because you're so close and we are so close in our speed of planting, um, that we, we, we were able to take turns. Um, and because it was almost like one person planting, because you spent that much time together, you, you flagged the same way, like everything was sort of done the same way. So like when you hit a flag that maybe he'd put down, it was like as if you'd put it down because you were probably only six feet away anyways when it happened. But even if you didn't, we've spent so much time together that you sort of, it, you almost sort of in what sort of a way become one person yeah. um, in that aspect. The hardest thing for me to do um, with regards to that, I mean, there was a couple of times when I went out to the West Coast and people, they, they wanted to put me with a partner and we were getting quality control issues like constantly. And I was like, I'm done, like split me up, put me by myself because uh, like I know that my quality is not that bad. Um, and so that's the, I, when you're planning with a partner, you absolutely 100% have to trust their quality. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I think the harder part for some people is the, uh, is that quality piece and being like, oh, if we have to go back and replant. It's on you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and so there was a, there was a three year period where my partner and I never had to replant once. Um, not, not a single replant. We did, we helped other people replant, but we never had to replant our land in three years. Uh, we had positive quality every all the time. Uh, and so we had that trust with each other and I think it worked out to our benefit. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so the psychological aspect of it, but when I, it's interesting, I really value your perspective of maybe where it's coming from and as our upbringing, like you're mentioning, maybe that you're coming from a solo sport versus a team sport. And when I think of my, when I think of the trauma issues that I had tree planting or the issues that stand in on my, in my mind as like the, this is the, this is the sort of one of those linchpin moments that links me to other people's stories. They're always team moments. Like for myself, I don't really, I don't really have a recall of like negative individual moments. All of my moments are like, Holy frig, our bus is going to roll down this cliff and we're all going to die. Or like they're always, they're always group orientated. My sort of, trauma moments are always sort of group orientated. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's just something that I, my a psychological piece, to how I categorize events in my life mm-hmm. that I categorize them as part of a team. And so when I think of like that bonding, I think of it as a team because of how I correlate those pieces. So maybe other people would do it differently. Right. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm curious too, about, you know, cause there's so much that we can deal with on the block too. And that's something that you know definitely a lot of people are cognizant of and i've even talked about on here before with some people of just you know working through a lot of stuff can come up even just somatically right and moving and just like the movements of planting and just being in your mind all day so um you know were there ever things that you were dealing with sort of personal issues maybe in your life at the time or even just things that are coming up you know maybe from childhood or whatever because you know, things can just randomly pop up whenever. And so like, what was that dynamic then, you know, if somebody else is there, because a lot of the, you know, what, what I see anyways, and a lot of people I've talked to see as like, you know, this positive of planting is you're out there alone. And then, so nobody has to see you cry or scream or kick or like lay down or throw your shovel or do whatever you need to do to like work through whatever you're working through. But then, you know, if somebody else is there, I mean, if you're comfortable to be able to do that, but sometimes that's, you know, it's just like there's another energy in that space. So I'm curious, like then what your experience was with that with like basically being a partner planter your whole career
1: we talked non-stop <laughs>
0: okay,
1: okay. people probably would have been irritated to plant near us because we just talked to each other non-stop like we like I said we sometimes we'd be talking about like we talked about serious stuff like we dive into like talking about like the science behind like caloric intake and expenditure and how we're losing weight and trying to see if there's things that we could like oh what can we do tonight if we go back to camp how can we increase our caloric intake and like yeah like we just take like mouthfuls of olive oil or something or whatever so anyways we were Sometimes we talk about like some of the more sciencey type stuff. Other times we would just be like, we would quote Simpsons to each other for like a half a day. Um, and I mean, we're still good friends. We went out and played a round of disc golf together the other day and we got to a tee box and uh, he said something. And without finishing the sentence, I looked at him. And then we both just started laughing because we were both knew the end of that sentence because we'd said it to each other so many times, tree planting. Uh, it was talking about spag. There's a part where uh, Homer gets stuck in this mud pit and he's like, first I'll pull my feet out with my hands and then I'll pull my head out with or my hands out with my face and then so and he rams his head in, and so there's just thinking about like how many times where your foot has got stuck and you're like first I'll pull my foot out with my hand yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and so I mean yeah we talked almost the entire day to each other all day what was though the kind of interesting then we go back to camp and we'd sit at the mess tent and we'd sit at the mess, like at dinner together. And we wouldn't talk too much at dinner. Um, like we'd mostly be eating, but like, um, yeah, we wouldn't talk too much at dinner. And then like, if we were sharing a tent or a trailer, um, we wouldn't talk too much in the trailer at nighttime. It was just mostly like, he's going to read a book or I'll lay down and read a book. Or we're just listening to some music. And it was just kind of like, that was kind of our quiet time for us. And then when it was back on the block, like, oh, for sure. We had like. There were times where we had like full on arguments with each other about how we should either plant a piece of land or somebody was having a bad day or like somebody would trip and fall. And like, you turn around and go completely like road rage on like a stump with your shovel for like a couple of minutes. Right. Like we all had those moments and it's just like, okay, he needs a, he needs a break for a couple of minutes. So I'll just keep planting along and let him have a space and he'll reset and we'll joke around a little bit about it and bag each other out and move on with life um so it was i mean that's just the dynamic i mean he was a collegiate he was a collegiate volleyball player right so we both came from this like sort of high performance sport world and i think that maybe that just worked for us right so yeah yeah. um i know that it's a really unique situation i I can even give you a more crazy one for uh for an entire season we planted in a quad (laughs) there was four of us that planted in a quad together uh for an entire season um and that was crazy people were like i don't know how you guys do that but we planted in a quad and the four of us bagged each other out uh every wow. bag up for that whole season yeah wow. interesting yeah. but we were planting we were, this was still when we were ontario um and we were averaging probably 4,000 to 4,500 trees a day each person in the quad wow um depending on the piece of land so we were putting in just huge numbers so we would get just the the hugest piece of land so it'd be like you four guys have this piece of land you can have it for the whole week and they would almost give it like there was days or there was not days i mean days plural they would where we'd have our own block just to ourselves because yeah, they're like you guys can finish people. this and yeah. then, then you can go across the road and do that side and then when you are done that you can walk over here and do that so yeah it was really i mean i enjoyed it um and like I said when I think of the best moments tree planning I think of group stuff and when I think of the worst moments tree planning I think of the group stuff so that's probably how my brain correlates those pieces yeah
0: that's just so interesting um yeah I'm curious now if there's other people out there (laughs) living those sort of experiences basically because it's really something I've never heard about like it's just been so much focus on kind of the self and just being out there on your own for the most part and I mean you know of course especially uh, you know like companies like Brinkman of course do the crew planting a lot but that's still even a different dynamic than what you're talking about so um, and this segues really nicely actually into my next few questions um, with what you're just sort of mentioning here but um, yeah you know you talk about the group saying of course so I'm assuming that's where these will probably come from but you know off the top of your head without overthinking too much like what's your favorite tree planting memory if you've got one?
1: Uh, my favorite tree planting memory I that see I don't what's even the know the first thing had...
0: that pops in yeah it's like don't don't even overthink it it's, it's so, a classic <laughs> overthinker
1: what I okay so my favorite tree planting memory would have to be we were uh, I was in Alberta no sorry I was in BC um uh, I think I was working I uh, can't remember who I was working for at the time. Might have been Silveram that I was working for at the time uh, in BC. Uh, I think we were up by like Fort St. John area somewhere up there. Um, and it was a heli block. And we were on a crew. Uh, for, it was four experienced planters. And the pilot came to pick us up. We were one of the first crews out um, in the morning. And then we're one of the first crews to come home at the end of the day. And the pilot that we had uh, was absolutely amazing super amazing and so she was like you guys done for the day we're like yeah she's like sweet you guys are gonna be the first ones home but she's like because you guys are done I'm gonna take you on a special route that I found earlier on today and she flew us through this canyon I kid you not it must have been at like 15 minutes flying through this canyon just in this canyon on the helicopter it was like we were in Jurassic Park crying a lot it was absolutely ridiculous and then she came home and she would like buzz our tents over there and then she landed and I was like that that was probably one of my most memorable positive memories tree planting was that helicopter ride through that canyon
0: yeah cool Um, surprising too you had a female pilot um yeah that's cool so yeah yeah. not a lot of those out there um so yeah you know positive memories what about negative (laughs) I (laughs) mean I'm sure there's quite a there.
1: uh so there's one that like it's not my memory but it stands out for me because uh, but this is so uh the planting partner that i've been talking about his name is brad um and he'll probably listen to this because like i said i'll I'll tell him about this and he'll probably want to tune in and listen to it but uh we weren't planting partners at the time this was pre us being planting partners (laughs) we were on a heli block um we were all in heli blocks and we were in like quads for the helicopter and so we all flew out, flew back and we're sitting around the table at dinner one day and the helicopter already started up to leave for the night. Cause he was staying somewhere else. He wasn't staying in camp with us. The helicopter starts up and then somebody's like, where's, where's Brad? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know where Brad is. And they're like, Oh, what about Owen? Where's Owen? I am like, what about Owen's girlfriend? And I'm like, oh, frig, they're still on the block. The foreman just jumps up and books it across the mess tent running towards a helicopter at the other side of camp as fast as he can to get this guy to go and pick him up. And because they'd been out on the block, it had been like, I don't know, three, four hours after they're supposed to be done planting for the day that they were out on the block. They'd already started to build shelter and everything. Oh my for God, night. so they
0: just got <laughs> forgotten about. Yeah, classic.
1: Totally forgotten about. So the foreman was able to make it to the helicopter get the pilots the pilot went and got them and they came back and everything. But I mean, for them, it would have been a crappy memory, but for the rest of us, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's a kind of an interesting story that, uh, people have. I haven't heard a lot of stories of people getting forgotten on the block, but, uh, that's the one of the stories that I've experienced of people getting forgotten on the block. Um, the sort of trauma traumatic experiences, there's two that really jump out to me. There was, um, it, both in Ontario, we were using the school buses. We had one of the shorter buses, and I don't know if other people have this experience, but the the handle, the door at the back of the bus, uh that handle always jiggled on us, mm. and it would pop, and the alarm would start going on the bus like that. So we just were like, "Screw this!" Got like a roll of duct tape, duct tape the handle on the back of the bus so that that handle wouldn't pop and buzz on the on the roads that we were driving on because you're. We were on those ridiculous roads right so the handle just kept buzzing so we're like forget this and like wrapped a half a roll of duct tape around the handle so that thing would never pop open again and we're going into town for a day off and the bus driver was on the wrong haul channel and we came around a corner and there was a, a semi coming at us and the logging roads as we know aren't really wide enough for uh for two bus semi-sized vehicles to be passing each other at 100 kilometers an hour each on those roads And so our bus driver went to kind of shoulder the bus, but uh, it was a soft shoulder and it was like a, I'm going to say like a ravine, but it's like an Ontario ravine. So not like proper like BC ravine, but but you still not not something you want to roll a bus down full of like 50 people, right? Um, And so the bus was probably sitting close to a 45 degree angle on this um, sort of ravine, but we couldn't go out the, the door because the main bus door that you open just like opened straight down a cliff. So we couldn't get out the door. Mm. And so we're like, well, we can pile out the back, but we can't pile out the back because we couldn't get the duct tape off the flipping uh, door on the, on the back door. So we're all just sitting in this bus and then waiting for help. And we're all just like, what are we going to do? Like, is this thing just going to stay here? Are we going to roll down this Hill? Like, uh, they had, it took three trucks to pull the, the bus back onto the road. Um, and so they finally got it off and every, whatever, like nobody got hurt, but that was definitely a sketchy moment. Cause I was sitting right at the front of the bus behind the driver and I saw that semi coming and then I saw him like pull the shoulder and then we're all stuck in this bus, not being able to get out. That was definitely a moment of like, what the frig just happened. Um, the other one was also involving a vehicle. Uh, we went into town. Brad and I went into town with a couple of the foremen from a company because there was a, it was during, uh, playoffs for NHL hockey. And so we wanted to go into town, um, watch, watch the hockey game that night. So a couple of the foremen loaded up the, some people that were wanting to go into town and watch hockey and went to a, like a small, I think it was in Ear Falls, Ontario. If anybody is either Ear Falls or Red Lake, if anybody ever want, I think it was Ear Falls. Uh, if you want to look that up, but. It's <laughs> Ear Falls. I think it's Ear Falls. This is just a silly point that we make fun of all the time. I think it's the the bald eagle capital of Northwestern Ontario. So they have their own like that sounds re- about <laughs> right. Yeah. I know where Ear Falls. Is. A lot a lot of people won't, but yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I just like that they have that like northwestern Ontario, bald eagle capital of Northwest yeah. Ontario. we, we well, had Northwestern to create our own Ontario little little is really here. like its own its own thing
0: because there's like yeah. roads there. So it's it's kind so, of its own entity
1: yeah and so we went into into town to go to the local bar and watch a hockey game and the the guys were drinking and then we it's like time to go home and brad and are like i don't think these guys should be driving home i think they're pretty loaded and we're like but we're just like lowly tree planters this was like our probably our third season so we're like we're just gonna we just keep our mouths shut like we don't talk to the foreman that doesn't work it's not how this relationship works right so they're driving home down the logging roads and uh a moose was on the road and they thought it was like let's see if we can hit the moose and we're like what the frick are you talking about
0: so they obviously don't know what that what what moose what yeah wow
1: so but it was (laughs) it wasn't like a full adult moose it was a like a calf but moose are obviously huge animals yeah and so it just started running down the this is that like I don't know, midnight one o'clock in the morning driving home down the logging roads back to camp. Um, And the moose just started running down the logging roads and they started like chasing it, trying to hit it while driving the logging roads while intoxicated. And Brad and I were like looked at each other a few times. We're like, this is this might be our last day on Earth today here. This could be it. So those are two ridiculous moments. where I wasn't sure how the outcome of those situations was going to be. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's really scary. They obviously didn't hit the moose.
1: No, we made Thank it home. God. Yeah. God. We made it home. I mean, there's lots of like stories where like the hitch, the pintle hitch on the truck broke. And then all of a sudden the trailer's passing you and you're like, what the mm. frick? Why is the trailer beside me? That's supposed to be behind <laughs> me. <laughs> and then it hits the ditch and everything just quads and like generators are just bounced everywhere. And you're like, Oh, this is a mess to clean up. Um, but those are just for me, those are just part of the like you just have to expect something like that's gonna happen while you're tree landing, right? Like you have to expect, like <laughs> we got our truck stuck one day with the front bumper and the rear bumper. We were trying to go through like a ditch. And oh, I don't know how my the driver I, wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how the driver possibly did this, but this was coming home from the day where we finished early and we are like, yes, we're gonna be the first ones back to camp. This is awesome. We ended up being the last ones back to camp we had like a couple blocks of trees and the quad loaded into the trailer or into the truck and we're like and then he hits this like ditch type thing that we'd cleared on the way to the block but then we're coming home and somehow the front bumper and the back bumper were wow. off the sides and the, all four wheels were off the ground we're like oh
0: i was gonna ask if it what was totally... the frig how are we supposed to get out of here now that's impressive wow <laughs>
1: It took us hours to get home. Oh man. So, I mean, there's lots of stories like that. Like that story, like I said, of walking in waist deep water for two weeks is a legit, like that actually happened. We had, we had the, uh, what are they called? Um, Argos. I'm not sure how many people are familiar with Argos. They're kind of like, a like a eight well, they're, wheel. They're, they're
0: kind of like swamp donkeys, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So we had eight of them and all eight of them broke. Of course. All, it, yeah. all eight yeah. of them broke. And you're like, how do eight of them break? This is totally ridiculous. And so the foreman's like, we well, still got to get to your land. All the trees are already out there. You just got to go and plant them. We're like, what the frick? So we were literally walking through waist deep water for probably half an hour at the start of every day for two weeks. Yeah. You're yeah. just like, oh. So that was brutal. That whole contract was, that was in Swan River, Mass Well, That was the biggest gong show of a contract that it was so much rain. It was unbelievable, <laughs> but everything was moist and compactable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you know, obviously when you think about that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, I don't ever want to go and do that again, but you know, you've sort of, it sounds like you've mostly wrapped up planting. Yeah. Like, have you, have you counted it out completely now? Like, have you moved away from it? totally or is it kind of a bit of oh well, maybe someday again or are you definitely now like nah, I'm i'm i've moved on oh
1: man it's hard it's <laughs> hard it, it's like uh, there's parts of it that like you i think there's parts of it and maybe this ties into some of the other stuff that we've talked about that you wear as a badge of honor right mm-hmm. um like people are like when i tell people that i treat lined for 12 seasons they're like respect I have respect for that. That is not something that everybody can do. And he did it for so long. And like, that's like props to you for that. Like I have respect for that. Right. And so I think there's a little bit of a badge of honor in that, but I think like there's things that like, I don't know, there's things that I miss and there's things that happen every year around springtime. Like if I go for a walk in the woods and that smell of like the pine needles and everything and the birds, and you're just like, this smells and feels like tree planting to me. And there's part of my soul that just kind of is like, snow is melting and like because i still work in university environments like i'm employed now by um in the academic world and so there's that sort of lead up to like exams are over and it's a transition into that spring summer time and my soul just kind of tells me it's tree planting time it's tree planting time and there's parts of me that probably does miss it um i mean i don't there's things that i don't miss obviously I mean, I miss having like a a full-time cook. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah.
0: Not having to make your own food is pretty great.
1: Um, So I do miss, I do miss that. I mean, I have considered um, the sort of bidding on contracts and running a crew sort of piece Um, side of it, maybe just a small crew. I don't know if I'd want to go into like a big sort of trying to start like a competing against some of like the bigger companies uh, out there, but just running like a, like a, a six pack or 12 pack or something like that, just for spring contracts or what have you. And just partly because I just enjoy being out there. Just for um, and fun, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds crazy, right? To say doing tree planting for fun, but there is an well, aspect no, of it. I, I do that. <laughs> so
0: like, I get it. I know people who do it. It sounds Absolutely. insane, but yeah,
1: yeah. But I think once you've done it and you understand that like, no, part of the reason I go tree planting every year or did it for so long. Yeah, the money was great but there's other jobs that I could probably have done that could have made really good money as well. There's a kinship and there's like, there is fun times like building like gigantic bonfires made out of tree boxes, like wax tree boxes and like all the stuff that happens on the day off. And like, it's fun. It is fun. It's truly fun. There is a lot of stuff that like, um, like I said, I've experienced or like, that I probably wouldn't have experienced in life like even just as far as like some of the when you ask about some of the positive moments like there's times where like I was pretty much a head down like plant as many trees as you can kind of person Mm -hmm. but there's moments where you just kind of stop and you look up and you're like it's plus 30 degrees there's not a cloud in the sky there's no bugs around me and this is my sort of quote-unquote office like Mm, this is perfect this is absolutely perfect right and you're like you just take these moments of just like looking around and like just being like wow like this is so beautiful is so enjoyable like um and then you come back to the concrete jungle and it's weird that you have to go to the bathroom to pee right so yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. um i'm curious too just it's kind of circling back around a bit to stuff we we're already talking about but you know especially with you having all of the knowledge that you already do. And yeah, obviously being a person who's kind of like geeking out on your physical performance and, and, you know, just your body and nutrition and everything like that. And you talk, of course, about how, yeah, tree planting, you just really become like a shell of a human in many ways, just getting so Uh, physically fit but then also I've noticed especially with men how they just get really really skinny like even more so than women and so you know you talk about of course being um, a college athlete and so like at the end of a planting season I know in the beginning it sounds like too you were you know not planting through the summers and stuff but then you know even after that maybe if you were planting longer seasons out west like how how did you find that then? Cause obviously, you know, physical performance and being in a good state was obviously really important to you. But then tree planting almost was like depleting all of that. So how was that effect on your body and like being able to recover in the off season? Whereas like normally people are like resting in the off season and like, you know, just yeah. sitting on the couch sometimes and gaining weight or whatever they're doing. I'm I'm generalizing here a little yeah. bit. But uh, you know, just like kind of yeah. Whereas then you got to go back and you know be doing a sport at a high level, and so like, how is that whole process? And I mean, even the decision to keep kind of repeating that, and was that hard on your body? And how did all that work?
1: Uh, I don't. I didn't truly find it hard on my body personally. I mean, I could totally appreciate how uh, how people would, and if I was looking at it from more of a sports science perspective, I would um, probably not recommend that for people who are looking to play high level. Uh, sport yeah. what it did for me from a, sort of a detrimental perspective more than anything was reduce my skill significantly um, especially being in Canada like I played soccer right so especially being in Canada you have we can play spring and summer soccer uh, with like adult leagues or whatever it happens to be so we can maintain our touch on the ball and maintain sort of our mindset of our game and like all that kind of stuff and I missed out on that And so when I was coming back to school, I was, I was seemingly getting further and further behind every time, right? Like rather than where my teammates were growing in the off season, because they're maybe training with a a coach or they're playing games on a regular basis. I didn't have all that stuff. So I was was sort of regressing in my ability to play Mm -hmm. uh, because of tree planting. And like I said, it wasn't having a positive effect on my weight. For sure like I was definitely coming in to be like at the end of every tree planting season I was coming in and I was like stick skinny um and so I mean from those perspectives it definitely wasn't helping me as far as like a physiological perspective with regards to like injuries or any of that kind of stuff I I personally never experienced any of that I mean I had I got tendonitis once um while tree planting and for two seasons I switched to a staff um, and then uh, moved back to the spade again, the D spade. But um, other than that, I was I never had any issues really. It's my issues have all come sort of post um, like playing playing in adult co-ed sport actually, or like like playing I was playing mens league sport and I got a guy jump kicked me in the knee and had to go get surgery on my knee, and then I was playing another co-ed. Uh, softball in in Manitoba and blew my knee again, and so my injuries actually never came from either high performance sport or from tree planting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they always came from like, uh, I mean, just some weird random sort of situation, right? So, yeah, I'm but curious. Then, oh, yeah, sorry, but, go ahead. No, 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 it's good.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm curious too, you know, even talking about our friend Carrie, and of course, yeah, we had Carrie on the podcast just can't remember the episode number off top of my head but like late february early march is when i released that episode of course we're recording this like end of april and and uh you know something i talk about with carrie especially with the dreaded tendonitis, and just a lot of that is you know hydration and you know you mentioned of course seeing some of these uh planters when you first started who are yeah basically still intoxicated making their way the block and then just like killing it and i mean we've all seen those people um And I'm curious, you know, did you ever fall into, not necessarily like being drunk at work or whatever, but did you ever fall into, uh, you know, a bit more of that maybe quote unquote, like stereotypical tree planter, especially like the old school mentality, which is definitely when you started a bit more of that, yeah. like hard as fuck kind of just like get her done, <laughs> like suffer through it, whatever, just like you're, you know you're weak if you don't kind of yeah. that old school mentality or, or yeah. were you always very diligent at like keep you know if you can carry yourself or did you ever fall did that ever fall by the wayside during your career um yeah no
1: so i mean um i've always been fairly good about taking care of myself i uh, i've never really been someone to drink a lot or um to engage in sort of extracurricular activities uh in that aspect but um I th- there were maybe even the reverse kind of happened and so like I said uh, because of I ended up recruiting um, a lot of uh, I ended up recruiting for a company uh, I actually ended up recruiting a lot of athletes and so we had a mm-hmm. season where almost everybody on our crew uh, was a collegiate athlete oh, wow. um, not everybody That's but sick. most people on our crew were and so <laughs> we were had like we had like glutamine and creatine oh my god and, that's and hilarious fresh chain amino acids and <laughs> proteins shakes and it was just like on our days off we were going to the supplement store and buying like bulk buckets of protein and stuff like that and so ours went probably the other direction like where like we were trying to take it from a sport science perspective so i wow. stopped actually taking in my last few seasons street planning i was able to maintain my weight uh, but i didn't take any lunch to the block anymore i just completely gave up on it because i was like Eating lunch is a waste of time. I can be making money instead of eating lunch. And so what I would do is I would, I took two huge jugs with me uh, and one would have water in it and one would have a mix of uh, like Gatorade and protein in it. Mm. And so I would chug both of those. That'd be, that's all I would do. I'd go back to the cash, I'd bag up and I'd grab, grab the jug of just like protein and uh, Gatorade and just chug as whatever I needed. Take a few mouthfuls of water. And then fill up a little, like sometimes I'd have a Nalgene bottle with me in my back pouch and just have that water with me just while, so I could take with me while I was on the working in that bag. And that's all I would do. And then to come back at night and just absolutely gorge on whatever was for dinner. Um, oh. And so we went the opposite route. We were like, see, can we make this even more efficient, uh, our time more efficient? And then going to this perspective of like, how can we use performance sort of supplements to make this even better for us so
0: (laughs) wow so I mean I I was
1: totally I was totally on the probably the I was the weird guy probably in the camp maybe but (laughs) yeah so yeah like the geeked
0: out health kit crew that's for sure yeah yeah so I mean I see I see more of that coming into the mainstream now to be honest like I see more and more people maybe just with like the health world um you know being I don't know I think it's more in focus now too or even you know because even what's you know, they say like, what do they say now, fit is like the new skinny or, you know, whatever that thing is of just, there's like more of this focus now on like, you no, know, you want to be healthy and not yeah. just like rake skinny, especially, you know, because I'm a woman, like, especially in that realm, but just yeah. in general, it seems like there's more of a focus on it. So, and I, I do see people, um, you know, that I work with who have been in the game 15, 20 years and they do, they're on the smoothie train. Yeah. Um, and that's generally all they're consuming during the day, but it's like high fat, high protein yeah. smoothies with all these supplements. Yeah. So I'm curious then, um, you know, I feel like this is a good opportunity. Is there anything that you recommend for planters? Is there anything in terms of maybe a, a supplement or doing something like that that would, uh, you know, out, out of all of the, cause there's so many of them. And to me, it's even overwhelming, like, especially mm. with all the, the, what's it called? The MC, the MCM the mct MC, oil yeah the mct stuff and just mm. all that key like you know that whole bulletproof train like i've learned a little bit more about that but just it's like overwhelming what there is and so is, <laughs> is there one thing especially coming from your background like um you know oh, if there's man. one single thing that somebody could use as a tree planner like what, what what would you say
1: oh man you're asking me a silver bullet answer and i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Uh, I mean, I've personally in my life, I've uh, ex- explored with like some keto stuff. I've explored with bulletproof. I still try to, I still make myself a bulletproof coffee every morning. I'm not like necessarily living in a keto perspective. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoy bulletproof coffee. And I think that there are positive benefits to it. Uh, people who are listening, if they haven't tried it, I would encourage you to look it up. Uh, you don't necessarily have to adhere to the entirety of the bulletproof diet. Although I do think... Dave Asprey has some good information out there. Um, But when you're dealing with tree planting, like you're, it's, it's a different realm, right? Like uh, you, it's just, there's a sheer amount of calories, right? So that you're burning that just, you can't, you can't properly consume the necessary amount of calories just by regular diet uh, while you're tree planting, right? And so you, I would do, I would recommend people, um, doing supplementation now, maybe this would be my silver bullet answer. Um, I'm not going to recommend something like protein or branch chain amino acids, or like, even like things like there is positive benefits of like leucine and glutamine and creatine and that kind of stuff. And if people want to take those, I would I would definitely say that there's a place for those types of things. Like you even said yourself, you mentioned the, like having like high fats, like people are having like smoothies with avocados and olive oil and Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Right. Which is totally good. And I would encourage people that if they want to have health, if they want to eat healthy and if they want to have uh, a lot of healthy fats in their diet, um, I would, I'm not going to advocate against that necessarily where I would think that I would, if I was to encourage tree planters with something um and it was specifically supplement related I guess there'd be two pieces that I would give them uh one would be collagen uh just because of the sheer wear and tear on your bones and your joints and everything else uh and uh so I mean I use hydrolyzed collagen um if people can get uh like if they're able to get the cook to make them like bone broth or yeah
0: because I've heard uh, it's much more effective in liquid form than getting the powdered stuff
1: absolutely yeah totally um so if people could get collagen Uh, I would highly recommend that that would be something that people could try. Uh, I mean, it's obviously going to people's perspectives on uh, whether they're choosing to be vegan or all those kinds of things are going to make a difference on that perspective on it. But that's just something that there is a lot of science to prove that there is benefit for that, Um, especially like just the sheer wear and tear you're putting on your um, on your body. is something that I encourage. And then in partnership with that as well, I would say that um, probably um, vitamins and minerals would be good too. I would, I mean, if somebody's going to, if they only want to do one thing uh and they were going to take a, a multivitamin, I would say, okay, it's not my preferred choice. I don't think that multivitamins is the route to go. I would encourage people to actually take like a couple different um specific vitamins and minerals out there um, with them. So that would be the probably the two pieces, would maybe be the collagen and some vitamins and minerals. Just because you purely cannot get enough properly from uh, because of all the energy expenditure that's happening, and then just the um, the amount of like we, I mean, it depends on the person, right? Like I know that like I wasn't properly eating breakfast, and I wasn't properly eating lunch, and I was getting almost all of my caloric intake from either the what I was the smoothies or the concoctions that I'd made, or, or from what I was eating at dinner, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that I know that there's no way I'm getting the required nutrition that I need uh, from that. And so I would encourage people, like I said, if they want to do the proteins and glutamines and creatines and branch chains and all that kind of stuff, I mean, have adder, they can do that. There's, they're not going to find probably detrimental, anything detrimental happening, but from, uh, if they wanted to actually do something that might be helpful for them, sort of both in the short term and the long term, I would encourage Uh, probably collagen and some vitamins and minerals.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, well, this kind of segues nicely into my last question too, which doesn't necessarily have to be health-related, but, you know, whatever comes up here, uh, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is considering going tree planting, Uh, you know, maybe these last-minute people getting on the king kong train they're trying to <laughs> trying to get a job or uh, or will be going tree point for their first time so maybe you know they're headed out right now or they just just start yeah. putting shovels in the ground so uh yeah any advice you would give someone
1: so a couple of pieces of advice so if people haven't already left and aren't already on the block when they're hearing this uh, I would inc- highly, highly, highly encourage you to talk to somebody who has done it before. <laughs> yeah. So you don't end up in the situation that I was in being totally like punched in the face by reality and having, and not being prepared for it at all. Um, watch YouTube videos about it. It's going to be helpful, but even more is going to be talking to somebody about it. Cause there's going to be stuff that you're going to be able to glean from an experienced planter. That a youtube video or like just like reading about it online isn't going to get the same sort of um, information for you so that would be my biggest piece is talk to talk to a vet that you trust and even if it's not somebody you know just reach out online in the forums or online in any way shape or form social media slide into somebody's dms whatever you got to do um and ask them questions about it because you're going to get so much valuable information uh that is going to be so helpful for you even like tricks on how to like properly tape your hand i mean that's i take my hand and it's taping my hand um so yeah that would be one that would be probably one of the biggest ones if people haven't already gone out is really truly understand what you're getting yourself into not to like from a fear perspective but so you can be best prepared um and then if people are already out on the block, like those people who are already starting maybe the early um, early spring plant have already started or just getting there and unpacking their tent and setting up camp and getting ready for the first few days or have been out on the block for a couple of shifts already, take the time to learn how to do it properly uh, because that is so, so incredibly valuable. Uh, if you try to learn too fast, cause you're just so concerned about numbers, it's going to cause you lots of problems in the long run. So learn how to do it properly at first and the speed's going to come. So just be a little bit patient with it. Uh, and the, as to go along with that, uh, I, so this is again, maybe coming the, the industry is maybe a little bit different now, but when I was ever, when I was planting, everybody was basically a mono planter. Like it was either right-handed or left-handed and that was the end of it. Mm, um, yeah. Yep. And uh I know there's a lot more ambi planters now. And that's something that I would highly encourage new planters to do is that because it's something new and it's a skill set that you probably don't have practiced in any other sort of realm of your life, it's gonna feel awkward both ways. So just learn to do it both ways um, because it's gonna save wear and tear in your body. And it's also going to allow you to be a lot more uh diverse because maybe you can bag different things in your left side and your right side, and if you have to plant like a multi-species day or like those kind of things, you're gonna be at such a huge advantage if you can plant ambi versus planting mono uh, would be sort of the pieces that I would just encourage people for.
0: Yeah, no, definitely all all great advice. I don't plant ambi, so yeah. Yeah, I've been a bit stubborn about that. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I definitely feel the effects of it. So yeah, awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on. This was a really uh, great conversation.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Thanks for having me on Aaron.